So right now we're pulling in anywhere between twenty five thousand and thirty five thousand a month in revenue in sales. So we've been doing that and those kind of numbers for about a year and a half now. So we've moved over twenty thousand WordPress themes in two and a half years. Welcome to the Matt Report, the number one WordPress business podcast. This isn't geek speak. It's about the journey of success and failure as a WordPress entrepreneur. Get ready. You're just an episode away from your next aha experience or big idea. And now your host, Matt. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 49 of The Matt Report. Uh, today, I get to interview Trent Lipinski, founder, uh, actually calls himself the CEO of Cyberchimp's WordPress Themes. This is a tremendous episode because Trent's going to talk about making nearly twenty-five dollars to $35,000 in revenue a month uh, on the Cyberchimp's Themes. So you're going to learn a ton about how he got there, uh, what it means to have that kind of responsibility uh, in the team, building a team, uh, building themes for WordPress, all that fun stuff. It's going to be a tremendous episode. Uh, I also want to say thanks to everybody who's given me the five-star reviews uh, in iTunes. I really, really appreciate that. It's about the only thing I ask uh, that you could do uh, to help support the Matt Report. Uh, Natalie Graham uh, says, a must listen for any WordPress entrepreneur. Natalie, I do appreciate that. Uh, Farron, for Farron, I hope I said that right, and in Houston, gives me five-star insights. Uh, love, love, love the Matt Report. So uh, again, I do appreciate that. Head on over to iTunes. Give me a five-star review. If you do enjoy the show, again, it really helps. Uh, MattReport.com slash subscribe. Join the mailing list. On to the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another awesome episode of the Matt Report. Today, I'm joined by Trent Lipinski of Cyberchimps. Trent, welcome to the show. Hey, Matt. How's it going? It is no surprise that this is the walk of shame for me, uh, <laughs> as you are uh, one of many guests uh, that I lost the interviews from, and we are doing it again, but we're going to pick up in a great place uh, from where our hero left off last time. But before we do, uh, give folks uh, the two-minute drill, who you are and what you do. Uh, my name is Trent Lipinski, and I am the CEO of Cyberchimps WordPress Themes. Uh, we're a fully responsive WordPress theme development shop. Uh, we're also working on a couple plugins right now, and... Uh, yeah, we've got one of the most popular WordPress themes in the world called Responsive on WordPress.org. Uh, we've got two other themes, I feature and Neuro, currently in the top 15, and hopefully we'll get a couple more eventually. So Awesome, yes. awesome. Um, before we get too deep into the story, you are one of the very few, actually probably the only one that I know of who refers to himself as a CEO. Um, do you have any kind of, uh, you know, foundation on that or, or is, is, what is your thoughts? A lot of folks are like, ah, oh, I'm just a developer, you know, and I, I'm putting out this product. How important is it to title yourself a CEO or, you know, leader <laughs> uh, of your company? <laughs> Honestly, I've been calling myself a CEO since I was like 14. <laughs> um, I used to run an Apple news and rumor website when I was in high school and, uh, and I, I, you know, we were following Apple and I was following Steve Jobs. So, you know, Steve always, uh, well, they were calling him the iCEO at the time, but, uh, you know, he was, he always called himself CEO and, 
even when I was just running a blog, when I, I did have other writers working for me and whatnot. But yeah, I, I call, even then I, I just put the CEO title there and it kind of just stuck with me. So uh, now then, then I started working and started my own company. It was like, what am I supposed to call myself? Because I, I originally I was really a designer um, ultimately and I used to write. So I went to school partly for journalism. I didn't graduate though, but, um, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, so I just, it, it too, it also encompasses kind of everything that I do because ultimately I, I don't, I don't even get to code as much as I used to, if at all now, because I have like the ability to sit down and finish a project all the way through could take like three or four days and with the way uh, like everything's set up with my company these days, like getting a three day block to actually finish a project is really rare. Um, so yeah, cause I wake up and you know, I've got emails that I have to go do this today now and it, yeah, it's really hard to like schedule or plan things. So I spend most of my time running my business now and, you know, making sure everyone's getting paid and keeping things organized and, making sure, you know, we're meeting our deadlines or expectations and our customers are getting what they need. And it's just, so at this point, like I actually kind of am a CEO because I have to literally do a little bit of everything. Awesome. That's, that's an awesome answer. Let's give folks some context. Now I had, uh, tweeted out, you know, many months ago about bringing somebody on to share, you know, their, their revenue numbers, you know, 5,000, 10,000 a month in themes. Um, that's what I, I was specifically looking for. And, uh, you sort of raised your internet hand and said, you know, sure, I'll, I'll come on and chat about that. Um, I want to talk more about what it's like to be the CEO in this WordPress world. Um, but give folks uh, a feeling of how big the company actually is and what kind of revenue numbers you're doing monthly with your themes. So right now we're pulling in anywhere between 25,000 and 35,000 a month in revenue in sales. So we've been doing that and those kind of numbers for about a year and a half now. So we've moved over 20,000 WordPress themes in two and a half years uh, to paying customers. And then we also have a freemium business model that drives, uh, a lot of the pro sales and our free users estimates are anywhere between like, gosh, anywhere like 350,000 free users to maybe, you know, 700,000. Um, it's hard cause we don't have precise analytics on that data. Um, by tracking backlinks, we've been able to determine that there's anywhere between like one, I'd say probably like one point, five and three million websites running some version of one of our themes. Wow. That's amazing. So it is a lot of responsibility when you've got mm. that many websites and that many users and that many customers. But yeah. ultimately it's a lot of fun too. So <laughs> um so you're you're in the epicenter of startups, right? You're in San Francisco. It's where everyone is who's, you know, starting something. Um, you know, that's where all the buzz is. Was WordPress always the, the, the product that you wanted to build on or did you start somewhere else? Um, you know, I, I've been using WordPress on and off for about seven or eight years now. 
Um, it wasn't until about, it was 2008 really where, uh, it became my, pretty much my standard platform for doing everything. Um, up until that point I had used a wide range of content management systems. Uh, gosh, even like way back in like 2002, 2003, I was using post nuke, uh, which is, was a fork of PHP nuke. Um, that was interesting. <laughs> um, then I dabbled with Drupal a little bit. Um, I used it on a few projects, but it was very, it was just, the problem with Drupal is every time I handed it off to a client or whoever I was developing a website for, they just kind of, yeah, it, they just give me a blank stare <laughs> as soon as you logged them in because, uh, yeah, it's pretty complicated. So, yeah, I then uh, I then started doing all my projects on WordPress, and you know I really uh, I really love the fact that if there was you know something out there you know an idea or whatever I wanted to do on a website, I could literally just find a free plugin and pretty much do it. Um, so that made development a lot easier because I no longer had to reinvent the wheel, and all of a sudden I could just kind of assemble puzzle pieces together. Um, so that was that was a big, you know, revelation when I figured out that you know I could do all this stuff with WordPress for free, um, and put together amazing websites that had almost no overhead. Awesome. Do when you're walking the streets of San Francisco, do do people take WordPress seriously uh, as a business, as a startup, as the potential startup and potential monthly yearly income? Um, do you do you hear people out there saying that it's a serious platform to build on? I I don't think that most like venture capitalists take WordPress seriously. Um, they kind of look at it as a uh, as a uh, shoot. I'm sorry. Can are we going to be able to edit this? Right. Yes. Okay. Yep. Um, someone's messaging me, and I don't. Is there a way to block people from messaging me while I'm talking to you? Uh, I you, I think you just put the um, Skype. Do not disturb. Let me just see. Do not disturb. Correct. Sorry. Can we go back yeah. and rephrase and start over? Sorry. Sure. Just let me know when you're ready. Okay. Ready. So when you're walking the streets of San Francisco or you're out at a cafe in one of these uh, shared collaboration spaces that we all hear about uh, out on the West Coast, do people take WordPress seriously as a, as a platform to, to develop on and start a business on? Uh, yes and no. Um, no in terms of like venture capitalists. I, I don't think they have the same uh, respect for WordPress as they do other uh, startups and other projects for some reason. Um, I think the open source nature of WordPress is a little bit confusing to them um, because they are interested in owning something outright uh, and investing in something that you know they can get a return on and that they own in some kind of intellectual property, which is understandable considering you know where they're coming from. Um, but at the same time, you know WordPress because everything's open source in GPL, um, you know it gets a little murky in terms of who owns what and uh, how intellectual property is interpreted. So there's not the same kind of like investors looking at the WordPress ecosystem like they do the app store on the iPhone, for example. 
Um, but on the other side, you know, you have the actual users of WordPress and then, you know, tons of people use WordPress for their company websites or for their startups. So from that aspect, you know, it's kind of, I, I think it's for the actual people who are in startups, WordPress is a great tool. Um, and I think they definitely respect it. Um, but I think there's still a little bit of confusion with uh, some of the higher-ups in the VC world. Mm. You are, let's just round the numbers out just to make it easy. Let's just say half a million bucks a year in revenue, especially if you continue to grow. Yeah. Um, do you think that as an entrepreneur starting out, and let's say somebody said, I want to build a multi-million dollar business, should they still pick WordPress? I would say yes. Um, I think there's still plenty of opportunity within the WordPress market to develop a, uh, a multi-million dollar business. And that's basically what I'm doing right now. So I'm not quite there yet, but uh, pretty sure I'm going to get there sooner rather than later. Awesome. That's awesome. Um, so let's go back to uh, your themes that are in the store and, or I'm saying app store cause you said, <laughs> cause you said app store, but, uh, that are in the repo. Um, you majority of them are out there for free. Perfect example would be like responsive. So, you know, 700,000, 800,000 downloads, something like that. Mm -hmm. Millions of sites being powered. Um, you know, and you said responsibility. It's, it's a massive responsibility in terms of security, scaling, developing, and, and updates, right? Yeah. Um, what does that mean to the bottom line? I mean, is it uh, super expensive to support something like this? It means um, having an awesome team. And luckily, I'm very fortunate that I've been able to put together an awesome team um, because they let me sleep at night. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's, it's a lot of responsibility. It's a lot of work. Uh, most of my overhead goes to paying my staff, and I get paid last. <laughs> So, um, yeah, it most right now, uh, you know, it's, uh, we've, we've grown a lot really quickly. So we had to hire and we had to bring on the right players and it's, uh, we've now kind of put together a good team to be able to handle all the support responsibilities and, uh, you know, the developers to fix bugs and so that we can respond quickly to updates and release security fixes and whatnot. Um, it took, you know, it took a good year really to kind of figure all of that out um, and get everything in place. But uh, we're finally at a point right now where we've kind of rose to the challenge. Um, but yeah, ultimately, because there's just so many little working parts to consider, you you simply need a team of people to be able to handle it. Mm -hmm. What do you think the turning point was for the for the growth? Uh, how long were you running? you know, for lack of a better word, flat. And then all of a sudden things started kicking in and you were like, oh boy, I've got something really good on my hands. Here. Yeah. So, I mean, the first theme we released was iFeature and that was about two and a half years ago. And we've yet to go a day without a sale since the launch of iFeature. So, um, you know, that, uh, that alone was, that was a turning point right there because, uh, we had no idea if this would even work or sell. Um, and it, been a complete and total success since the beginning. Um, the next major turning point is when we moved into responsive design. Um, so that was about whew, maybe eight months after our first release. Um, we went fully responsive 
and that tripled revenue. So, hmm. yeah, that was our clue from then on out that everything <laughs> to do needed to be responsive. So, what was your MVP um, for the very first theme? Were you were you just putting out some other themes under the radar to get some market? feedback or you're just like you know what we're gonna build this thing and then in 60 days you had a theme done and you just launched it um yeah so the first theme was iFeature we built it and it took about I'd say about 40 days to build and then it took about another 40 days to get approved <laughs> wow yeah <laughs> so uh that was fun um but uh we built a couple other themes after that um we just we were working on you know different designs and different ideas um, what we didn't really realize when we were doing this was that, you know, the way we were developing them, we were still kind of cowboy coding, to be honest with you. Um, we weren't using version control yet. We weren't really organizing our code base or structure. So every theme we were releasing was a derivative of like our most popular theme, which was iFeature. And we were taking that code base and then working off of it. So then each theme we created subsequently was its own island of code, which was oh, yeah, if I could go back, I would never have done it that way. Um, but uh, but yeah, so after that, we we rolled out another three or four themes over the next year. Um, the next major one that really took off was Eclipse. Um, once we got that out, things really shifted because it was almost as popular as iFeature was. Um, and we had some pretty decent popularity with uh, Business Lite and Neuro and some of the other themes we released before that. But Eclipse just kind of took off just like iFeature did the year before. Um, and that that was kind of another moment for us because it doubled uh, our sales numbers. So all of a sudden, it, we had doubled the amount of support to consider. Um, we're working off multiple code bases, and it was... Uh, it was a lot. So that was the moment of inception that uh, we decided we needed to develop a new framework to be able to power all of our themes and modularize and you know, use the same core code. Because about seven, we determined that anywhere between like 60 and 80% of the code per theme is actually the same. So the theme options, you know, any kind of like responsive grid or framework or CSS code base or any libraries were used, other open source libraries were using. So we modularized all of that stuff, put it in its own Git repos, and then rebuilt every single one of our themes on this new framework. Um, we used underscores, uh, the automatic uh, uh, starter theme, and then we built out our own responsive theme options panel, which is actually responsive within WP Admin. So you can control your website from your phone or tablet. Um, and then uh, we also built in Twitter's Bootstrap, so that way we could hire anybody who knows Bootstrap to do front-end development for us. Nice. The um, 40 days of approval, um, was that serious or <laughs> was it, <laughs> well, was honestly, it just extensive? Honestly, we we didn't quite know exactly what we were doing when we first built this theme. Um, you know, we'd been, uh, I'd been using WordPress obviously for a long time. Um, I was doing some client work and like for those clients, we would take themes and modify them. And, um, you know, I eventually came to the conclusion that, you know, I'm basically developing WordPress themes. So I may as well develop a WordPress theme. Um, so 
you know, there were, there were a lot of little, uh, just little fixes, little things we weren't aware of that we had to learn really quickly to try and get a theme up on .org um, because the guidelines and all the different things that need to be supported for a default theme on uh, .org is just massive. Um, there's just, you know, you've got to style every little thing uh, perfectly, alignments, uh, you know, sticky posts, uh, post formats, all kinds of stuff. So um, stuff that as a WordPress user, we didn't even knew, ex- some of it we didn't even knew existed until we tried to develop our own theme. So it was little moments like that where it was like, okay, we've got to go fix this. Okay, we have to add, you know, five or six lines to the style sheet to style this now. And just a bunch of little things like that kept tripping us up. Um, and then, too, at the time, the review team wasn't as big or as organized as it is now. Um, so we actually... Myself included and a couple of my other employees, we actually now contribute as much as we can to the theme review team. So uh, they've got the process down a lot faster and quicker now. So, but yeah. I talked to um, a rather well respected uh, developer at one of the WordCamps I was at recently. And, um, you know, he's launched his product out there and and he hasn't seen some of the same success that a lot of the folks that I bring on to the Matt Report um, have and some of the folks that we're just seeing in WordPress news in general and you in, in, uh, included. Did you have like a marketing plan when you launched on day one or you, did people just start finding it, was finding your product and just say, this is... Yeah, I mean, we, we didn't have like a... There wasn't like a huge marketing push or anything. I mean, we did... We did set our site up for SEO. Um, you know, there is the credit link at the bottom of our themes, so that does send some traffic and sales back. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, really, we did a little bit of, like, search engine marketing. We just submitted to different, like, WordPress blogs and offered them, you know, free copies of our pro version and, you know, had them review them and, just little things like that. Um, but ultimately, you know, the, the big gift came from WordPress.org and it still continues to give to us. So, um, and ultimately, you know, we had a good name. Um, you know, we picked kind of a niche market going after, you know, an Apple like feel with like iFeature. Um, and that, you know, ultimately, yeah, we picked a good name. (laughs) Yeah, uh, yeah, it's one of those things we've. I, I've still been trying to wrap my head around for the last two and a half years, and ultimately, I think it just came down to a combination of things that uh, that you know were all little things in the moment, but uh, ended up being enough to differentiate ourselves. Uh, let's talk about that for a second, for the like the analytics side of it. It and. It's not like WordPress gives us anything. WordPress.org gives us any kind of, you know, analytics package or where do these folks come from? How do they funnel down to your theme? What were the keywords they used to get there? Um, I mean, should that change in the future? So folks uh, listening to this and folks like you and I can just produce. Yeah, they're working on improving WordPress.org. I'm actually working with, uh, with them on some stuff right now. So, uh, they're they're definitely working on improving a lot of that. Um, a lot of the limitations come because WordPress.org is kind of held together with duct tape right now. Um, 
So they're, they're going to be open sourcing it. They're going to be, uh, and then they're pulling from the community right now. And a lot of people are going to be contributing to help modernize its code base and kind of get it caught up to date. So I think once, once we've got, you know, once WordPress.org is, you know, functioning at a higher level and it's easier to add things and build out stuff like that, I think, you know, analytics and other data and whatnot is, uh, is inevitable in the future. Um, when it'll show up, it could be another year or two. I'm not entirely sure. Um, but, uh, you know, I think eventually they're going to have to build out a better way of tracking yeah. all of this. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, if somebody was out there and they're like the developer I spoke to and launching their either theme or plugin, any word of advice that you would give them, um, say, if you were to start doing it all over again? Yeah, you know, I've heard a lot of people talk bad about the freemium business model um, and, you know, how it doesn't work and it's not sustainable and all these things. And I, I completely disagree with them. Um, ultimately, we live in an era right now where, you know, piracy and, you know, anything is possible to get for free online. And you, it's better to embrace that and accept it and work with it as a word of mouth tool uh, to grow your brand and your business rather than try to put all this DRM in place and, you know, licensing and codes and all that. And it's just, yeah, all that is completely counterintuitive um, because ultimately you want people using your product. You'd love if they paid for it, but if they don't pay for it, at least let them use it. Um, so that way they're using something. So they'll recommend you to a friend who might pay for it later, or they'll recommend, you know, or you'll at least get the credit link back to your site that may lead to customers in the future. Um, you know, they're really, but at the same time, you also have to upsell correctly. You have to really offer something, uh, that people are going to want to pay for, like support, um, you know, more features that are actual features um, and yeah, we, we really, with CyberChimps, we've really just stuck to being an open source company, embracing open source, um, and, you know, not using li complex licensing schemes or charging extra money for a developer license. Like ultimately the way we see a WordPress theme is, you know, we're selling a tool for people to build a website. So we're not going to charge somebody extra because, you know, they're, uh, they're going to build more than one website or, you know, we're not going to start leasing somebody a tool, um, for, you know, a subscription fee. Um, it, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, you wouldn't go to Home Depot and rent a hammer. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of guys in the WordPress space trying to do the whole like SaaS software as a service business model right now. Um, I have yet, I, there's a couple people who have pulled it off. Um, and outside that I haven't seen it duplicated. Um, so, you know, I really, I, I'm kind of unsure about, you know, that the future of that, it, you know, and especially because wordpress.com has a lot, you know, they have WordPress VIP and they have a lot of that higher end service end stuff figured out. So, and then those kinds of clients that do go for those kinds of services, they're going to just, just go straight to WordPress.com for that stuff um, because they're the pinnacle. Uh, so 
ultimately it's more about, I think, focusing on those first time WordPress users right now and focusing on, you know, WordPress.org really. Um, and the kind of users that you get from .org, um, because that's where there's really an open market right now. Um, so yeah, ultimately, you know, I would say don't be afraid of the freemium business model, figure out, you know, something really solid that you can offer customers and a reason to upgrade and people will, um, if you're just trying to sell them on, you know, Oh, you get one or two new features or, and you know, you, or you've really limited the free version to the point where it's not even really usable and you have to upgrade to be able to use it. Then yeah, those, those kinds of things are, uh, are, are going to, kind of distract from, you know, upselling and it's not going to build the same kind of rapport that you get from, you know, really providing a decent free product and then truly offering something of value on mm. top of it. You bring up two things that I, I want to hit upon. Um, the first one would be, I just interviewed uh, Shane Perlman of um, Tribe. Tribe. And, um, we chatted about how if he had to do it all over again, he would move into that sustainable, you know, annual subscription rate. Um, is that something that you're saying that you wouldn't move into or, or we've, we're toying with subscriptions right now. We've, we're testing a, a support subscription, um, because that made sense to us. Um, we've tried, We've dabbled, we've worked with like three or four different hosting companies at this point, and we've tried to get into like the hosting mm -hmm. space, um, and it's been total failure. <laughs> um, figure out how to crack that. Um, what's the failure? Is it is so just like the overhead? Uh, what's the failure? Is it like the overhead of just kind of integrating with another hosting, or is it like a negotiation failure? You know. No, we've I, we've really had some awesome partners, um, and we've come up with some really good technical integration and implementations, and it just it just didn't sell. Um, I think ultimately it has a lot to do with how my company is positioned in our market and our users. Um, they've already got hosting by the time they right. come to us. It's I think it's that simple. Um, I don't think there's any big conspiracy here or anything like that. I think simply by the time people find out about my company and CyberChimps, they've already got WordPress installed right. somewhere. So, um, I think because all the other theme companies have yet to figure this out as well. So I'm not the <laughs> only one. So one of the things that you said that I found um, pretty interesting is I recently spoke to Shane Perlman and we spoke about sustainability and growing a WordPress theme or plugin company and moving to that subscription model was something that, you know, he was saying, Hey, if I could do it all over again, maybe I'd move into that. And it's something we're kind of exploring now. Um, your thoughts on, on moving to the subscription and, and will you go into that? Uh, well, first of all, I know Shane and he's awesome. Um, and I've had some, really great conversations uh, with him about this kind of stuff. And actually, our, uh, I kind of actually, so CyberChimp's uh, tagline or, you know, saying right now is uh, WordPress themes you can trust, which I actually got, kind of borrowed that idea from one of Shane's presentations that he gave at WordCamp Seattle about two years ago, I think. Um, but anyhow, you know, 
and he, he was even talking about like a SaaS business model back then, uh, software as a service. And, you know, we've, tr- I've tried to do some of that stuff with CyberChimps to see if we could figure it out. We went into the hosting space a little bit, couldn't really get people, uh, to latch onto it. Um, you know, I know that Elegant Themes has done very well with their subscription service in the theme space, um, but I have yet to really see another theme company um, have that same kind of success with a subscription model. Um, when it gets into the plugin space, it gets a little bit trickier uh, in terms of how to offer plugins as services. Um, but ultimately, you know, I think. You know, there's really, it, this is kind of the same argument that, you know, is going on right now in the music industry, you know, the iTunes a la carte model versus like a Spotify or radio or um, some of these other new services where you pay a subscription, you get access to all the songs, um, you know, but ultimately iTunes revenue is higher than it's ever been. And yes, while there's room for these subscription services, they're kind of still a niche market. Um, and I think the same thing will probably be true within the WordPress ecosystem. There will be space for software as a service. Um, but I don't think that's going to be the dominating form of revenue growth, um, for, for most, uh, developers or, or designers. Um, I think selling a product outright and a la carte is probably going to be, uh, is probably going to work more effectively so that there is kind of that sense of ownership for the user. Um, I think there will be other service. I, I think there's plenty of things that are better suited as services like hosting, uh, like support, um, and things that are truly service oriented, but trying to turn, you know, functionality into a service, I, I don't really think that's hmm, going to work. Interesting. Would you say that, you, would you kind of adopt that, like, you know, Adobe Photoshop kind of thing where it's just, Hey, version seven is out. Now you just have to buy an upgrade or would it just be that you buy this once and you own it and you're going to get updates for life. Right now we're, 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 we've cut, we used to promise that you'd get updates for life. Um, we're still kind of toying with that. Um, obviously anybody who's been promised that will get that. Um, but we've, actually been kind of pulling that out of our marketing lately in case in the future we do need to start charging for updates for new users um, simply due to sustainability um, not because oh, ultimately I would love to offer free updates for life but um, as we're growing that may not be uh, viable in the future um, but you know ultimately we're gonna we do our we, we really actually want people to continue using the latest versions of our software. So that's why we want people to be able to upgrade um, because we want them to use the latest and greatest so that they'll keep using our products. Um, and we also want them to get the latest and greatest so that, you know, they, we can ensure the security and uh, you know, and that they're getting the updates and that it's compatible with all the latest plugins and the latest version of WordPress and whatnot. So, you know, it's a little bit, it's a little tricky when you start trying to charge people for, you know, compatibility, basically. Um, so, you know, we, like I said, we're kind of trying to figure out how we're going to handle that moving forward um, because there is a sustainability issue there. 
Um, but at the same time, like I said, it's really about trying to maintain compatibility and, you know, making sure that our customers, even if they bought our theme from two years ago, um, you know, still have a WordPress theme that they can use that works with the latest version of WordPress. Um, so yeah, there's, there's definitely, there's definitely some gray area and some stuff that, uh, myself and other theme companies are trying to figure out right now. Interesting. Um, the other thing that you brought up that I thought was was interesting was you said it just didn't fit your business model, right? Um, you know, I think a lot yeah. of people, I know a lot of the folks that come to the show and, and kind of listen from all the other entrepreneurs are like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do exactly what Trent did or I'm going to do exactly what Brian Clark does with Coffee Blogger. It's like, no, everybody kind of does it their own kind of way. I mean, sure, they're all selling the same product, but or a WordPress theme or a WordPress plugin. Um, not only are their products different, but the way they run their business is different, right? And what works what works Absolutely. for one does not work for the other. Um, you know, and two, it takes a lot of uh, it. It's it's really. I mean, ultimately, the challenge of becoming you know a CEO is that you know I. I literally had to kind of give up on the idea that, like I said, I could even finish a project all the way through um, because, you know, you have to delegate, you have to hire people, you have to make sure the people you hired were the right hires. Um, you need to figure out costs and all these other variables in there. And then the legal red uh-huh. tape of setting <laughs> business and the bureaucracy of that is yeah. insane. Um, yeah. I mean, we had to hire an accountant, a lawyer, and it, it, it's just, there's so much to consider and be involved with. So it's like, even it, and then two, you know, what worked for me probably wouldn't work for somebody else because I just did it. (laughs) (laughs) So you're going to be competing with me on every little thing that I do. And I've been doing this for two and a half years. So I kind of like to think I know what I'm doing a little bit by now, but um, so ultimately it's about trying to figure out your own strengths uh, figuring out what you are good at and finding that, you know, that one thing and becoming really, really good at it, becoming an expert at it, and then turning that into your business. Um, because that way you'll be doing something true to who you are that, you know, you're going to be able to sleep at night and you're not going to be constantly having to follow somebody else or, you know, trying to take all this advice from other people and, you know, constantly doing all that kind of stuff, you can actually just go with your own intuition and go with your own knowledge and experience to create your own business. Yeah, because that's a dangerous path to walk down, especially if you are looking at somebody and saying, yeah, I'm just going to go out and set out and do the same thing because now they're they're you're, they're going to make a shift or, or they're going to upgrade or come out with something new and then you're going to feel the pressure like you have to now upgrade and do something new and um, and then try to copy exactly what they're doing. It's just not going to be a healthy way to run it. Uh, what's yeah. pivoting and p- being able to pivot your business at any point is right. critical. Um, and you also have to be completely open to failure and iteration because most of your ideas won't work and that's perfectly acceptable and okay. As long as you're learning from it and as long as you're not beating yourself right. up for it. What's uh, one major lesson you learned from shifting from developer to CEO? Um, was it the legal mumbo jumbo stuff or was there one lesson that you really took away? Like, wow, I was not ready for this. <laughs> um, 
Well, I originally did start Cybertrims with a business partner. So uh, that that was kind of uh, that. I Yeah, so him and I split about, gosh, it was over a year, year and a half ago now. Um, so I would say ultimately if you can try to uh, try to kind of go it alone and see what you can do yourself initially it's perfectly acceptable to bring on other partners and you know get help and whatnot but if you're the main person driving this um, you know you should be the majority owner of your company um, unfortunately I've just seen so many partnerships in my own experience and then other companies or other companies have been a part of just eventually dissolve and very few companies survive, um, you know, losing one of its founders. Um, so, you know, I think as we just discussed on, uh, you know, eight bit is currently closing and, you know, shutting down and it, it yeah, I mean, it, this is uh, the way, again, I, I kind of go back to like music, like, Bands break up just like companies break up. Um, so it, it, it really is, uh, so you really have to kind of think about a lot of this stuff beforehand um, and set up a good structure and get things in writing and, you know, meet with a lawyer early on, um, especially if you are seeing success and get all the little bits and pieces in place so that, and prepare for the event that, you know, there could be a possible split between founders or partners and write down with your partner, like, what will happen if someone decides to pull out. Um, so that way you have all that already written and you already have a game plan in, in case of that, uh, you know, in case of that eventuality. Because, um, you know, it, it, it really, gosh, it, it really is daunting, especially when you, you do take off. Success is just as much a catalyst for change um, as failure, if not more so. And, you know, it, it can bring a lot of challenges with it. So I would definitely caution people to, uh, you know, to, to have the foresight to set up a plan for a wide range of contingencies um, because, yeah, it, it the the proof is out there that partnerships can eventually fade. So when we spoke last time, we talked about sort of the acquisition of responsive um, and sort of what that was like. Are we going to see more uh, of these types of things uh, going on in, in our WordPress space, you know, smaller developers who, you know, might partner with uh, a cyber chimps because they just are a bigger company and there's a better fit. Are we going to start to see more of this stuff happen? I would think so. Um, I'm probably going to continue to do stuff like this. So, um, yeah, I, I think that ultimately that's, uh, that's kind of the, the natural evolution of this. Um, it, it's what happens with most markets. Um, you know, when, once you have players who have established themselves, um, you know, and once they've kind of started to lock up the market, then yeah, ultimately it's about getting a job with them rather than trying to compete with them. Um, so, I mean, luckily there's some great theme and plugin development companies out there. Um, you know, from what I understand, you know, it, yeah, I mean, I, I know most of the other owners of most of the major theme shops and honestly, I will, I like a lot of them as people, um, as competitors, sometimes things can get a little interesting, but, um, as people, you know, there's, yeah, 
the WordPress community is uh, unlike any that I've really experienced before because everyone is pretty humble and, you know, pretty open and accepting of, uh, of this kind of thing. And I think ultimately that's going to lead more people to be attracted to work for companies like a Woo themes or an elegant themes or cyber chimps or, you know, uh, all these other companies that are, have established themselves in the market. So, and two, you know, ultimately it's a, it's even a resource thing. So, you know, what happens when a developer does create something and it becomes successful and they don't have the team behind it to support that product. Um, so, you know, it comes into a situation like kind of what happened with theme ID where it was like, it, it just made sense because we had this, a, a team we could put behind it to be able to support such a popular product. And it was just a, you know, and it was just kind of an, it just naturally kind of worked itself out that way. Um, so, you know, as a developer or designer who creates something that does take off and become extremely successful, you know, it can take the burden off of them of not having, you know, they don't have to become a CEO. They can, they can delegate to somebody like me or a Woo themes or whatnot, and then continue to go back to being good at what they're good at and being a good developer. So ultimately I think we will see more acquisitions and, uh, you know, companies consolidating and working together on things. One, uh, we're getting a little press for time, but there's just one question I want to get in. Um, you bring up another interesting point, of course, that in this community, right? I don't know many market uh, spaces that competitors even consider themselves friends, let alone the word community is probably so far removed from their mind. Yeah. Um, but we're in an interesting space. WordPress has a community. That's one of the strongest uh, factors of its growth and success. Um, and, you know, folks are all at a word camp and they're all friend and friendly and at the same time competitors. Uh, and then, of course, there's the whole th open source thing, right? Because now your code is right out there in the open. And we've seen before some folks, uh, you know, like the, the when WooCommerce launched and there was that whole controversy of where the code came from and all that fun stuff. Should... Um, <laughs> Should businesses looking to sustain have a, a layer of proprietary on top of their open source, or is that defeating the purpose? You know, it's an interesting question. We do keep our, um, you know, our pro repos, we do keep private um, simply because, you know, we're, if those were completely open and people were downloading them, they'd be getting incomplete code and, you know, not complete releases and, you know, beta builds and, um, we just, we don't want to have to try and support, you know, an, an incomplete product. Um, so we'd rather be in control of our release schedule with our pro themes, um, so that we know that we're releasing tested builds that are actually stable. Um, so for that purpose is really why we keep our pro repos locked down, um, is so that we can develop and create a stable release um, and then we're in control of our release cycle. Um, as for the actual code itself, anybody could buy one of our themes once, take the extra pro code that's in there and release it. And there's nothing we can do about it. Um, and that's up to them. You know, that's really not, uh, that's not a huge concern of ours because again, we're hoping the relationship we develop with our customers will, uh, you know, will be a, be enough because we're providing support and 
you know, updates and everything else. So, uh, we just rely on that. Um, as for, you know, offering proprietary code. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's definitely, it's a tricky one because ultimately, yeah, you are trying to sell, especially when you are selling like a pro version of your theme or your plugin. Um, you know, you are trying to kind of stay, uh, you're, you're keeping some code to yourself, obviously, to try and entice people to upgrade. Um, so, you know, there's definitely, there's definitely something to be said for that control. Um, and there is, you know, a solid business argument for it. At the same time, like I said, there's really nothing you can do to stop people from ripping off your theme or your plugin. So... You know, and it's I, personally, I find it better to just embrace the open source philosophy. Um, yeah, and, and just kind of stick with that because ultimately, like I said, for us, like keeping our pro repos locked down is simply so we can, can make sure that we're releasing stable builds. Um, because you know, we we're kind of making a promise to a customer that hey, you paid for this product, so we're going to give you updates and we're going to you know maintain this theme so that you're getting something stable so your website doesn't go down or, you know, something horrible happens to it. So, yeah, so for that sake, we I, I do prefer having that control um, simply so that we can make sure we're releasing stable builds to our customers. Um, but ultimately, you know, if you Google the right search string, you can probably find any of my pro versions for free somewhere. <laughs> so not gonna not gonna do anybody any good for, is, is, is in terms of getting support but yeah. um it, it, they won't get support they might be able to get some updates i'm not entirely sure and then you also run the risk of malware um, right. a lot of uh a lot of the people who do you know pirate themes and plugins they throw in their own snippets of code in there to target ads at you or steal your email address or whatever um hmm. so yeah. So I mean, it's on them when they that happens. Unfortunately, what is the biggest challenge that Cyberchimps ch- uh, faces right now? You know, I think right now we're kind of trying to figure out uh, that next level um, to take the company. We've got a you know we've got a solid business model right now that we know is sustainable, um, and we're just kind of trying to figure out where we can pivot and where we can go next. Um, we like I said, we are toying with uh, subscriptions a little bit. Um, we're thinking more towards the support end of things for subscriptions rather than you know subscriptions for themes because um, it makes it, it that makes more sense to us as a service rather than and then that way you know someone can buy our themes and uh, for you know a decent price point without having to. Uh, without having to sign on for years. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think ultimately we're just trying to kind of figure out, uh, where we can pivot next. And then two, you know, we grew pretty fast in the last eight months. So we're, we're still kind of recalibrating after that. And we've got to kind of prepare ourselves and get ready so that if there is another growth phase, we can learn from the lessons that we've learned from this year. Uh, and uh, be able to take it to that next level without as much discomfort. Very cool. Very cool. 
that will end the more formal interview. So I do thank you for sharing that awesome amount of knowledge uh, in a tremendously growing theme business. Um, folks listening to this should definitely find a lot of awesome stuff uh, that they can take away from. Let's jump into one of the last few segments here. We'll jump into what's in your toolbox. What piece of software do you use or hardware that might not be known to the public, but you rely on day to day to get your job done? <laughs> uh, well, right now I'm, I'm currently wearing a pebble and a Fitbit. Uh, nice. <laughs> so, um, the Fitbit's actually kind of cool because are, are you familiar with that? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I'm, I play video games, so I'm very <laughs> like goal oriented when it comes to stuff like that. So to be able to get something on my wrist that's like, hey, you've accomplished a goal. You've taken this many steps today. Or, yeah, I really, uh, it, it's kind of been fun to get that. So nice. And I also learned I sleep a lot less than I thought I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the Pebble's fun too. It, it's really, it, it's like the way I see it is it's like kind of like an alpha smartwatch. Like mm. it's not even really like to a beta yet. Um, it's fun. It has, a, I think the, the watch as an interface has a lot of potential um, as all of our technology gets a lot smaller. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool. I can answer my phone from my watch, uh, <laughs> change songs. I can, uh, you know, set timers and play snake like a Nokia phone. And nice. <laughs> I'd like a watch that had GPS built in and synced to my run keeper so I wouldn't have to take my phone with me. Yeah. Like like in the rain and get all sweaty and all that stuff. Yeah. No. Um, Pebble's cool because it's waterproof. Fitbit's waterproof as well. I mean, you could go nice. swimming with both these things on as long as you don't go too deep. <laughs> nice, nice. Let's jump into the lightning round, ask you a series of quick questions. You'll have a series of quick answers. All right. The one plugin you cannot live without. Uh, WooCommerce. A favorite WordPress or business book? Uh, Steve Jobs' biography. That was good. A quote that you live or run your business by? Uh, do it right the first time. The best business or career advice you ever received? Uh, best advice. Uh, best advice I probably ever received was just to go with my intuition mm. and not question it and then learn from my mistakes. Yeah, that is. I, I totally agree. What's the longest a client project has ever taken when you used to do client projects? <laughs> uh, gosh, years. <laughs> uh, there's companies that, yeah, I still consult with. Um, so, yeah, some of them are still going. Um, it, yeah, some projects can just keep perpetually going. I mean, it, but that's a good thing because it means you're doing something right if the relationship's continuing for four or five years. So exactly. Yeah. Uh, if you had to switch to another CMS, what would it be? Oh, man, I'd have, I'd have to like just write a new one, and it wouldn't <laughs> be as good as WordPress. <laughs> uh, who should I interview next? Oh, that's a good one. Have you talked to uh, Ben from WP Engine? I have not. Yeah, I talked to him. He's pretty cool. Austin, who's also with WP Engine, is uh, is very cool as well. I'd talk to them. Awesome. Uh, what's the one question I didn't ask you that I should have? Uh, what my favorite color is. And your favorite color is? Uh, right now it's red. Nice. Yeah. 
Uh, I think when we chatted last time, you also had an interesting, and we didn't get into this in the formal interview, but you had an interesting job, right, before all this stuff? Oh, which one? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, For the entertainment business? Oh, yeah. So I've dabbled in quite a few projects. I was with uh, two of the founders of MySpace at a startup. Uh, We launched LiveVideo.com way back when in like 06, 07. After that, I worked for Playboy as a web developer and internet marketer. Um, before all that, I was, I had a tech column that I did on suicide girls for a couple months. Um, I was published on Valley Wag. I've got a, I've got a colorful history. Nice. <laughs> Very nice. Well, Trent, I thank you for doing the show again. I think it's been an awesome, awesome, uh, almost hour at this point and i think there's going to be some good juicy details for folks to take away where can folks find you on the web to say thanks yeah you can find me on twitter at trent lipinski and you can find cyberchimps at cyberchimps.com and also on twitter at cyberchimps very good trent thanks a lot cool And that is a wrap, episode 49 with Trent Lipinski. Hope you learned a ton uh, from everything that Trent had to offer. Amazing guy, amazing story. Uh, Great startup, great uh, great business. Head on over to iTunes, drop me a five-star review, mattreport.com slash subscribe. Join the mailing list. 